You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. And I cannot believe that it is already December 8th. I mean, where did this year go? Maybe it's because of the kids or because of school or our jobs or the other holidays, but December always has this tendency to sneak up on us, doesn't it? I mean, Back in September, MCs on the radio were saying, it's only 100 days left until Christmas. I remember them saying that. Christmas decorations were already lining the aisles of many shopping stores before Halloween ever happened, which makes Thanksgiving an afterthought. Now, here's something about me, big pet peeve. I do not start decorating for Christmas until after Thanksgiving. I refuse to listen to any Christmas music. Thank you. Yes, we have some people that know what they're talking about. I refuse to listen to any Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. Some people are in that boat. How many are the opposite side of that? You're like ready for Christmas all year long. Anybody? You should be outlawed. You, that, that is a crime. We should not skip over Thanksgiving. It's an important holiday. But here's the point. It's tough to say that while December can sneak up on us, Christmas rarely does. Christmas is everywhere. You couldn't miss it if you wanted to. Yet this year, like every year, many people still will. And while they may not miss the day or the event, they will miss the meaning and the magnitude In America, because we are so caught up in the hustle and the bustle and the shopping of the season, many people miss the truth of Christmas, and I don't want you to be one of them. So today we begin a brand new series called Hometown Christmas, and over the next few weeks, we're going to imagine Christmas Eve and Jesus Day from different hometowns. What was going through the minds of the people in Rome that first Christmas Eve? What was it like in Jerusalem? Did anybody even notice in Bethlehem? And what does this special night mean for you and I today in 2019 in Medina County? You see, for everyone who places their faith in Jesus the night before Christmas, it should be a time of great anticipation. It should be something we look forward to every year, not because of what we're going to wake up and unwrap the next morning, but because of what we've already been given through the grace of God, which is Jesus, his one and only son. That is what Christmas is all about. And you're going to hear that same message over and over again so you don't miss the point. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, you're going to have uh, the passage on the screen, or you can use your phones and uh, use the Bible app that you prefer. But this is the story of Jesus' birth from Luke's perspective, and you may be familiar with it, but I just want to read the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2. He says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
So in verse 1, Luke mentions the entire Roman world. And today, I want us to think about that very first Christmas in Rome. It was the most important, most powerful, and largest city of the day. It's comparable to Washington, D.C. because of all the many influential decisions that were made in Rome. And as major influencers for the rest of the world, I wonder what was going through the mind of the Romans that first Christmas Eve? What was going through the minds of the Romans that first Christmas Eve? Honestly, I have no idea. I couldn't begin to tell you what they were thinking about. However, I can tell you what they weren't thinking about. They were not thinking about Jesus. He wasn't even on their radar screen. The best word to describe the Romans that first Christmas Eve would be oblivious, oblivious. They were completely unaware of what was about to happen and who was leaving heaven to come to earth to live with them. Now, there are three major principles that the Romans embraced, that they lived by, that defined them, that sh- which kept them oblivious. And these are things that are easy for us to believe as well. We can fall into this trap. So today we're going to go over each one in hopes that you and I don't miss the importance of Christmas. Here's the first one, the first reason why they were oblivious. Rome believed in looking inward rather than looking outward. They looked inward instead of outward. You see, Bethlehem, the town where Jesus was born, it was approximately 5,000 miles away from the city of Rome. And back in that time, what happened in Bethlehem stayed in Bethlehem, not because it was like Las Vegas, but because it was such a tiny blip on the map, hardly anybody even knew about it. Many people may have heard about this Jewish idea of a Messiah, but in Rome, They didn't believe stuff like that. They already had a strong, competent ruler in Caesar Augustus. The Romans either didn't know about or they completely ignored what the prophet Micah said hundreds of years earlier. Micah Micah chapter 5 verse 2, he says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So why would Rome be thinking about a prophet's prediction hundreds of years before about this future king of the Jews? Besides, what could this new ruler possibly have to offer them that they didn't already have? They already had everything. They had money. Rome had culture. They had recreation. They had the best food. They had the best clothing. They had power. Rome literally had it all. The Romans were oblivious that a new king was coming because they were looking inward. They were not looking outward. And honestly, that is a trap that you and I can easily fall into today. In this age of social media, it's very easy to get consumed with ourselves rather than others. And I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle has to say about this inward focus that we tend to have. He says, so many people are living for likes while longing for love. So many people are living for likes while longing for love. All we care about is how many people like that picture we posted to Instagram. How many people shared our message on Twitter? How many people laughed at the comment we made on Facebook? That's what we care about. That's what drives us. We live for likes while we long 
for love. It's all about me, an inward focus, this gratification of self that each one of us yearn for. And please understand that this doesn't make us bad people. It doesn't make us bad people to long for love. It just means that we are distracted people looking in the wrong direction. And you know what? That's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you and I to be distracted people looking in the wrong direction. Inward should not be the focus. Outward should be where we're looking at other people. And you don't have to look hard or long to see hurting people all around you. Lonely kids in the classroom. Discouraged people in your neighborhoods. Hurting people at your workplace. Because the truth is brokenness exists everywhere. It exists right here in Medina as well. But yet, it's easy to get caught up in looking inward and become oblivious, completely unaware to what the needs are of others, especially during this month of December when we have all these different distractions that consume our time and our thoughts. So here's a challenge for you. I simply want to challenge you to be aware of others' needs. Say it with me. Be aware of others' needs. And I have to tell you how proud I am of Northside, of Northside Christian Church for your awareness. We do our best to meet the needs of others all year long. And Jeff has really been the spearhead of that uh, as our campus pastor. And he does so many things with service projects in the community. We do Homeroom Hope. We've done many years in the past where we help kids and teachers get ready for school. Every year we do Compassion Week, and we're going to do it again this year. I think last year we had almost 30 different service projects that we're doing all throughout Medina County where our whole purpose is to be aware of the needs of others and to meet those needs. However, at Christmas through this Giving Tree program, many needs are met through your intentional generosity. Just in the last two weeks, there have been nearly 400 children, what I would call adopted. They were uh, taken off this tree and people at Northside gave and gave and gave so that these kids would have something to open up on Christmas morning. In a world that teaches us to take whatever we can for ourselves, to get mine and to forget everybody else, it's encouraging to be part of a church that strives to look outward, that strives to meet the need of others. So the challenge for you is this week with your family, be aware of what's going on around you. Don't be so consumed with yourself, but actually look around to what other people need and try to meet those needs if you can. So getting back to Rome, the first problem was that they kept looking inward. And this is part of why they completely missed Jesus, why they were oblivious to the coming of the Savior. Secondly, Rome believed that it was fully self-sufficient. They believed they were fully self-sufficient. The Roman Empire had the most advanced culture of its day. It had the best military. It had the most money. It was the most structured society. The Romans were well-equipped for everything, and they knew it. Specifically, their emperor knew it. Few people would have been more prideful than he. In fact, it was said of Caesar Augustus on his deathbed that he uttered these words, I found Rome a city of bricks, but I left it a city of marble. That gives you some idea to his ego and how large it was, but also the ego of most of the Roman society. They would brag about their work. They would brag about their accomplishments. They would brag about all the things which, to them, they caused to make happen. They caused to take place. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate and I respect hard work. 
When someone uses their talents and abilities to do something amazing and gives God the credit and the glory, now that's awesome. That's good. That's the, how it should be. However, when we try to take the credit for ourselves, for everything that we seemingly do, that's when we kind of cross that line. That's when we get into trouble. That's when our egos swell up and we become prideful. And it makes us twice as bad when we humble brag. You guys know what I say, what I mean when I say humble brag? Some of you are laughing. All right, if you don't know what that is, the humble brag is when someone shows false humility mixed with some self-promotion and this woe is me attitude. This humble brag, it was uh, popular just a couple years ago. Somebody came up with it and you can hashtag humble brag and you can see all these funny things. Well, I read an article recently about the top 50 best humble brags. And I wanted to share three of them with you. I thought they were funny. Singer Joe Jonas from the Jonas Brothers, he wrote this, totally walked down the wrong escalator at the airport from the flashes of all the cameras. Go me. Seriously? Like, you're celebrating the fact that you walked down the wrong set of escalators because you're so popular, all the cameras blinded you. Yep, you're awesome. Go you. Baltimore Ravens running back Mark Ingram tweeted, I'm supposed to be in L.A. at the BET Awards today, but I have to keep training. Dot, dot, dot. Hashtag sacrifice. I'm not sure that missing your multi-million dollar contract to be at an award show qualifies as a sacrifice. But maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. And this is the best one. Actor David Hasselhoff. And y'all remember him? Knight Rider. I never saw the originals. I saw some reruns. All right. He tweeted this. It's an evening with the Hoff. First of all, he referred to himself in third person. That's weird. Britain's Got Talent, followed by my life story on Pierce Morgan. Hopefully, you won't get sick of me. I hate to tell you, David, that happened about 20 years ago. Do you see how easy it is for us to brag about our accomplishments, to think that we create our own success? It's something that Satan wants us to think about, that we are the ones that generate our own success. The Romans failed to understand God's truth about success, and it's this. James 1, 16 and 17, do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from where? It's from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. There is no such thing as a self-made success. God plays a role in anything good that happens in our lives. And people who think they are fully self-sufficient are really ignorant of their need for God. People who think that they are fully self-sufficient, that they've done everything on their own, by their own power, are ignorant of their need for God. The Romans didn't think that they needed anyone because they believed they were better than everyone. And I pray that this is not your attitude at Christmas or any time throughout the year. Last week, Jeff challenged everyone, as I challenged everyone back in Wadsworth, to take a ping pong ball and to pray for someone, to invite someone to church, to share your faith with someone. Did anybody do that this week? I know you have because I've seen a lot of ping pong balls in the fish tank. Yeah? Well, if you missed it, there are extra ones out there, and we just want to encourage you, take one or two or three as you leave. And this week, if you invite someone to church, if you share your faith with them, write their name on the ping pong ball, bring it back, put it in the fish tank, and repeat that process. Our goal 
Hey, I caught that. Our goal is to try to fill that fish tank by Easter at least one time, and I know we can do that. Wadsworth has one as well. So maybe this week you shared your faith with someone. You wrote their name on the ping pong ball, but it didn't go as planned. Maybe their response to you was this. Look, Eric, I don't need Jesus. My life's great. I don't need Jesus messing with my fill-in-the-blank, my finances, my family, my future. What they really mean is, I don't want Jesus because I know he's going to be the killjoy at the party. He will cramp my style at work. He will mess up the way I handle my finances. Jesus will change the way I view my relationships, the way I view my parenting, the way I view my marriage. I don't want him because I am much better off just as I am. Has anybody ever said that to you? That's a person who's living for now and looking inward instead of living for eternity and looking outward. And it's important for us to understand that Jesus will absolutely influence every area of our lives if, if we choose to recognize him as our Lord and Savior. Lord actually means master, and master implies a relationship. He should be the one controlling our thoughts and our actions. Jesus doesn't want just a slice of your life. He wants the entire pie. Someone once said, if you feel you need more than Jesus, then you'll never be satisfied. satisfied. But if Jesus is all you need, then he will become all you want. If Jesus is all you need, then he will become all you want. Think of it this way. If you've ever had a guest come over to spend the night at your house, almost all of us have some point have said this phrase and finish it for me. My home is your home, right? My home is your home. We say that, but we don't really mean it, do we? We don't mean it, no. You don't want to open up the fridge to find that your guest has already eaten half of the cake that you had planned to serve for dessert. You don't want to wake up with someone rummaging through your drawers trying to find some clothes to wear or looking through your wallet to try to find some money so that they can Uber around downtown. Or maybe you do want that because when they leave, you can lock the door and you won't let them back in, right? Right? We don't really mean it when we say, my home is your home. Is that any different when we choose to accept Jesus as our Savior? When we believe, when we repent of sins, when we make that public confession of faith, when we're baptized, we're essentially telling Jesus, Jesus, my home is your home. I want you to take the reins. I want you to control my life. But do we really mean it? You see, it's very easy for us to talk to God and say, Lord, thank you so much for saving me. I really appreciate the sacrifice of your son on the cross. That's awesome. And I'm going to accept that salvation and the forgiveness of my sins. But you know what? As we get started on this relationship, you need to know some things. Lord, you cannot have certain areas of my life. There are a few places that are off limits to you. You can't take charge of my bank account. You can't have my cell phone or the social media sites I visit. You can't be in charge of the websites I browse, the music I listen to, or my dating life. Oh, and please do not tell me how to run my family or my business. But Lord, there's still meat on the bone. Everything else is yours, right? Everything else is yours. That cannot be. That cannot be the way that this relationship works. 
You see, Jesus already established the rules of this covenant relationship, and he made it all or nothing. In fact, we just spent four weeks talking about being all in, and that's the same idea. It is all or nothing when it comes to Jesus. When you choose Jesus as the Lord of your life, he becomes the master, and you give up every single right. You give over all the controls to him. Luke says in Luke 2.11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus came to save us from our sins, and he came to save us from ourselves. Because we don't know the best way, but he does. He is our master, and once we accept him through faith, we give it all to him. As believers in Christ, we must take a long look in the mirror. and We must put to death those self-sufficient desires and the attitudes that we have. So Rome believed in looking inward rather than looking outward. They believed that they were self-sufficient. And here's the last point. Rome believed that power was stronger than love. Rome was so strong and it was so powerful 2,000 years ago that it believed no matter what might happen to the other empires surrounding them, they believed they would never fall. They literally thought they were so strong and so much better than everybody else that they could not be defeated. And if you've been to church very long, then you know that God's ways are not man's ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And in this upside-down economy of God, he uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise and the weak things of this world to prove wrong the powerful. Rome believed that power was stronger than love. Maybe that's why several decades later, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome telling them otherwise. And Rich read the first part of that passage uh, before while we were singing these songs but I want to finish it for you this is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture Romans 8 38 and 39 for I am convinced that neither death nor life that neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord God's love is stronger than any power don't get it confused the Romans held three flawed beliefs at the time that Jesus was born for Rome power was really their currency and if you told them that a baby was about to be born in a manger who would someday become the king of the Jews and defeat sin, they would have laughed you out of the building. You see, they didn't realize how much they needed a spiritual Messiah instead of a military king. They were oblivious to the obvious. It's easy for us, 2,000 years later, to look back at Rome and to see their folly, to see their mistakes, to understand, look, they were defeated. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't have all the power. What's more difficult is looking in the mirror and taking an honest reflection of our own lives. So let me ask you, have you embraced any of these same beliefs that the Romans followed? Do they ever dictate how you approach your life, and your decisions. It's common for us to miss our need for a Savior, and here's why. The world is always trying to improve our image, trying to increase our followers, trying to sway our opinion, and trying to distract 
our focus. Satan does have power in this world, but please understand that it is only temporary. While he still has influence, he will do his very best to get you distracted, to get you looking in the wrong direction, to keep you looking inward instead of looking outward, to keep you focused on this earth and not on eternity. So please remember, in the midst of the madness that is life, in the madness that is Christmas, Jesus came to give us life. He came to transform us from the inside out, to redeem us from our sins. Jesus left heaven and came to earth to be our Lord, our Master, and our Savior. Paul tells us in Galatians 4, 4, and 5, and I'll close with this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. You know what that tells us? It tells us that God's plan and God's timing are perfect. God's plan and God's timing are perfect. They may not always make sense to us, but this is no accident. While Rome was oblivious, God was intentional. He was very much aware of their needs and he was unfolding a plan that nobody else could see. Fast forward 33 years. Jesus is now a grown man. He's performed many miracles. He's preached many messages. He has thousands of people following his lead. And then all of a sudden, what happens? He is crucified on a cross. He is publicly executed before everyone. And the crucifixion of Jesus, it must have appeared to be the end. To the disciples, it appeared that they were back to square one. No Messiah, no master, no teacher, no Lord. Now what do we do? It's time to start over. But what seemed on the surface as a demolition project was really a construction project designed by God to save the world because three days later, Jesus walked out of that grave. You see, God's plan and his timing are perfect. Is today the day? Is today the day that you accept Jesus through faith? That you receive his redemption? That you become adopted into his family as one of his children. Please, please, please do not be like the Romans. Do not be oblivious to the obvious. And the obvious is that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. Don't leave here today missing the meaning and the message of Christmas. Jesus came as a baby, but I promise you, he left as a resurrected king and he is preparing a place in heaven for you right now if you would just accept him. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing this song. And if you have that decision to make, if you want to place your faith in Jesus, I'll be up here. Jeff can come. We can talk to you about that. Or maybe you simply just want prayer, prayer for encouragement because you've kind of been lost in all this chaos and your focus has been distracted and you want to reconnect with Jesus, we would love to pray for you right now. So whatever decision you have, come forward as we stand and sing this invitation song.